Hello and welcome to Let's Enter the Arena. I'm your host, VM Campos. This is the podcast where I chat with a different member of the Magic the Gathering community every single week, and we share our tips, tricks, tragedies, and triumphs as we focus on Magic Arena. Well, everyone, uh, welcome to another episode, and I've got a brand new guest to the podcast. This is actually a guest that I met during the recent Wizards of the Coast-sponsored early access streamer event, hashtag sponsor, where we were playing a bunch of Zendikar Rising. So please welcome to the podcast, Mari. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Campos. You are welcome. Thank you for uh, being on the show. We like to talk about magic with different people every single week, and I like to give people a, a chance to uh, do a little self-promotion. So can you tell us like, uh, if, where your Twitter or Twitch or YouTube or any sort of online presence is? For sure. So as you said, my name is Mari. I stream primarily magic off of twitch.tv slash radicalmari. I also have a social media presence on Twitter. I utilize the uh, the page uh, at the Radical Mari since Radical Mari was already taken. A real <laughs> tragedy. <laughs> I know that pain as well because I'm <laughs> VM Campos everywhere except on YouTube, where I have oh. to be VM Campos Jr. because the other VM Campos from Brazil that never has uploaded anything in four years is just not mm. using their account. Oh my god, I hate that. Yes, yeah. I the exact same thing. I looked up the exact same URL and just dead account since 2017. Heartbreaking. Yeah, well, in the real world, as one of my side gigs, I do social media for clients. Mm -hmm. And one of the things is like, yeah, these social media companies, they, they there's no reason for them not to release these old dead names, but they just mm -hmm. keep them locked down for someone that hasn't uh, posted anything from Brazil in four years. You know, I'm not bitter. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you. What what else are you online at? Oh no. Um I upload occasionally to Twitter as well under the same uh at the Radical Mari, but that's all the exciting stuff. I think that what I'm most excited about is the opportunity to stream and play Magic the Gathering Arena on my mm. Twitch page with my uh friends and community members. Excellent. I'll put all of your links in the show notes and get you some traffic and hopefully getting more people to come hang out with you when you're live. I appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. So um, we were both on the recent or relatively recent, but, you know, time has no meaning nowadays, but <laughs> on the relatively recent um, early access streamer event that Wizards of the Coast put out. So thanks, Wizards of the Coast, for putting us on that. And how was your how was your experience on the early access streamer event? I love it. So I've been because we're both partnered uh, content creators for Wizards of the Coast. Um, uh, you know that the whole process is submitting everything in advance and then you get to do the uh, one day early access. You can go in, try out all the different cards uh, that you want to, build whatever decks. You have unlimited wild cards, mm -hmm. unlimited potential. It's an absolute blast. Um, I've done this early access several times before, but this is probably one of the most fun uh, early access streams that I've had the chance to do. Mm-hmm. Do you remember which was the first one that you did? You said you, you've done them a, a few times? Mm hmm I think the earliest was uh, Theros, Theros Beyond Death. That was the earliest that I've done. Oh, cool. So it's um, it's been a few sets ago, and you've been 
um, enjoying playing with the new cards. Like it's pretty cool, isn't it, that we get like a chance to try out the brand new cards before anyone else. And um, I, I don't really like dive into it to to like theory craft a lot of things before I play. I just want to kind of play, do a little bit of draft with with the pot of people. Maybe run into saffron olive, uh, you know, no big yeah. deal or whatever. And then uh, <laughs> and then uh, play a little bit of the game and then figure out how it goes and then play it out in real life when it's finally released on Arena. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite parts of the early access is you just go on your way doing whatever and then all of a sudden you're facing like a big name streamer, yeah. just someone that I would probably never run into uh, outside of these early access because these people are like very high elo and <laughs> I don't stream ranked a lot so I don't get to play them under most circumstances for me I was like very very starstruck most mm. games that I got to play uh in the early access well there's that one discord channel that we're not supposed to talk about but in there isn't there <laughs> isn't it really cool to see like people's names like Gabby Sparts and Air Bubbles yes. and all of these great uh big magic names and there we are too saying uh, notice me senpai Yes, exactly. Um, you know, I don't go out of my way to be like, oh, hi, I know who you are. Please acknowledge that I exist. But, you know, if they're saying something, I'll probably say hi back, you know, just like, yeah. hey, good to see you. I would never at them, of course. That seems uh, that seems awfully presumptuous. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully we also get invited back for the next ones that happen. But if we don't, I think it's still a great experience to have in, uh, to have uh, had been a part of at least once. Absolutely. It's it's an absolute blast. I have memories from that that I will carry on with me through my streaming career. Mm -hmm. Well, let's backtrack a little bit and, and talk a little bit about your history. So what I like to do in these episodes is the very first time I have the guest on, we kind of go back and talk a little bit about their magic history and so forth. And if they enjoyed the experience, I have them back and we talk a little bit more of like current sets or like any spoilers that are coming out or favorite decks and formats and all of that. So uh, let's let's talk a little bit about when uh, was the first time you ever played magic in any in any format, digital or paper? Um. So... I started playing Magic in April of 2019, mm -hmm. so I am very, very new. Uh, and relatively speaking, I've met people of all walks of life who have been playing for much, much longer. And oh my goodness, I, I, they, they have skills behind that. They're just so much better than I will ever be. They have a better mm -hmm. understanding of the game and the format. But yeah, um, my first experience, I was playing Arena. Uh, because I was streaming, uh, I was trying to find something new to play. There was a unknown game. I'm not even going to draw attention to it, but it was my primary game at one point. Uh, but I was getting very tired of it. My significant other said, hey, you know, if you're looking for another game to play, you could always play Magic the Gathering uh, Arena. And me, I didn't realize Arena existed. I was like, how am I supposed to stream a card game? Like, mm -hmm. I don't have a table. I don't have anybody to play with, whatever. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh, no, no, no. It's a digital download. And so I tried it out. I went in knowing absolutely nothing. And here I am now, just mm -hmm. still trucking along. Oh, cool. So around April 2019, let's see, that was a little bit last year. That was probably around like War of the Spark-ish era, perhaps? Yeah. Yep, yep. War of the Spark was my first set. Oh, cool. So you you dove right into a set that was, like, by most accounts, pretty complex with all of these planeswalkers and their static abilities. So how did you how did you t take to it with this uh, with this new game in a relatively complex set? I 
thought that at first it took a little while for me. I feel like there was a bit of a learning curve that was there. But with Arena, it had a really good tutorial. So even going in not knowing anything, I could get most of the mechanics down. Um, I look back now and I realize that, yeah, it was a little bit more of a complex set. But it was one of those things where as long as you don't allow yourself to go into autopilot, you read the cards, you understand how they synergize with one another, then you are pretty solid, relatively. Mm -hmm. um, I will say this, though. The one thing that from the beginning I did not like was the Super Best Friends decks. Because <laughs> I, with my pea brain, could not figure out how to kill eight Planeswalkers at once. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it was something where I would because I play primarily with friends, right? Yeah. And they'll bring their their fun meme decks and they'll bring their super best friends decks. And the moment the second planeswalker hits the field, I'm like, all right, so they've won this game. Cool, <laughs> let's go next. Yeah, well, I had a similar-ish <laughs> experience, but I played a little bit longer. My the first time that I played was back in the old days of 1995. Oh wow! And uh, I played between 95 and 99. Uh, but it was not during like the super powered age of like Black Lotus and like, you know, all those really powerful things. I was playing during a set called Fourth Edition, which was the fourth core set basically. And um, by today's standards, those that time that I played in is often known as like the Dark Ages of Magic because the power level really went down after such a high power level on the first years of Magic, which was 93, 94. They really brought the level down in 95, 96 or so to kind of compensate, like these cards are too powerful. So I was playing during the sort of Dark Ages of of magic and actually a couple of the most infamous worst sets ever were during that time fallen empires and homelands but you know to me that's nostalgia it's like that's what i played with that's what i love so who cares if if there were the worst sets you know that's what i played but i played back back at that time and i gave it up for a long time between 2000 and 2017 and then mm -hmm. when i got back into it in 2017 when i saw all these young whippersnappers playing i thought hey this game's still around <laughs> It's still around. I have to have my old cards. Yeah, let me bring out my old fun skeletons and see what see what I can do. And then the first planeswalker hit the table, and I'm like, "What is that card? Like, what does it even mean? It's got three lines of text with a plus and a minus. What does it even mean?" So <laughs> it's a sort of a different thing, but you know, we both experienced the shock of of planeswalkers. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, you know you can kind of carry that as a rite of passage. The fact that you got started in the hardest part of magic, you can be like, "Yeah, well, you know." <laughs> This is uh, this is something that I'm capable of. Yeah. I I was there for it all, mm -hmm. and yeah, no planeswalkers were very complex to someone who is just like finishing up the tutorial and looking at, and you're just like, okay, well, this is not a creature. What the heck am I supposed to do with this? Mm -hmm. But yeah, you figure it out. You figure it out as you go. I agree on the tutorial being very, very useful um, to get into it. Uh, uh, let me continue to pull out my, my hipster card. But I was playing <laughs> Magic uh, Arena uh, during the beta in April 2018, I guess. And that's when they, there was only like two sets on the, on the, on the app. And um, it was very clunky compared to now. I look at my old gameplay that I've still got on my YouTube or my Twitch and looking at the old interface, it's like, wow, it's so chunky. And it's, uh, you know, the sounds are different and all of that. And I've just seen it evolve. And it's like really cool that Arena has just brought so many new people to Magic, either those that have never touched the cards or those that lapsed and came back to Magic. So a total shout out to Wizards of the Coast to make this great you know, digital version of a card game that's been around 27 years and just bringing more people to play more magic. And that's more good, bad grammar aside. 
<laughs> no, bad grammar is not even noted. But, <laughs> you know, I, I've had several uh, near, uh, oh, man, you know how uh, you almost make a connection with a person, but you just barely miss it, like a missed connection. You're almost like that was me with magic for a very long time. Mm. I got very, very close many, many times for, to play. I had many people that were prominent in my life that were like, hey, there's this game we can play together. It's called Magic the Gathering. Mm. And I just miss it until Arena. I I think to myself, if uh, if I'd be any different or uh, of a player or a person, if I'd started back then, but at the end of the day, you know, this is this is the best exposure to magic that I could have gotten just because I it, it's all there in front of me. It's un easy to understand. It's easy to play. Mm. It, it's fantastic. I'm definitely getting very used to having Arena do some of the shortcuts of things because when when I've played in person after being used to some Arena, it's like, yes, you have to be on your game and remember, okay, you've got to do right. your triggers and maybe your friend will let you take it back or not. But I do like that Arena does. You can go into relatively autopilot or you can go into full control. You still have to think and not just really, you know, press next and so forth. So it's a great learning tool. It's a great way to get to to get better to get competitive to play with people all over the world if you do climb that ladder you suddenly realize there's so many people in the world way better than magic at, than it than me mm. very very true yeah <laughs> uh absolutely i think to myself about how i'm very terrible at math <laughs> and i play a lot of really dumb janky decks which require some stupid math to go into <laughs> so i'm absolutely grateful that i don't have to do that all on my own mm -hmm. well we'll we'll get to show off our, our jank decks in in just a bit after a couple more questions but i like to play jank as well i like to yes. uh go between either you know trying to play for serious on the ladder or just playing for fun which would be uh, either brawl or other formats but yeah we'll talk about it in just a moment so what would you say then uh, is is your skill level beginner intermediate advanced somewhere in the middle i've got to say that at this point in time i'd be intermediate um, I have a much better understanding of the game than someone who is just coming in, learning, uh, and just trying to figure out, separate what's the difference between this card, this card, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I'm still not at the point where a lot of professionals sit, or even people who have been playing for a longer period of time mm -hmm. sit. Mostly, I have a difficult time when it comes to, like, seeing a deck like on paper and being like okay well i see these cards but i don't really understand how they synergize together it's not until i put them on the field and see how they synergize together that i'm like oh okay mm -hmm. so um i think that the only way to improve from where i am is to just keep playing and keep trying to like test myself and figure out better synergies than what i found before that's really mm -hmm. that's that's the only way i can really up myself so since you've been playing Arena, have you been streaming it since around April of uh, last year? Yes, I have. Have you gone back and maybe looked at your old videos and just kind of compared things from then and now? Yes. my So several people in my community love to just take clips of really bad plays <laughs> or really just absolute crazy moments. So I love... Uh, I remember one of the one of the most popular clips on my channel is one where... It was a super best friends deck and you know how sarkhan's ability 
for his minus two, I believe, is all the planeswalkers you have. No, it's plus one. I'm sorry. His ability turns every planeswalker you have into a four four dragon. Yeah. You know, I was sitting there on the other side of the field, like not even sure what was going on. And then all of a sudden, boom, 20 dragons on the other <laughs> side. I was losing my mind. <laughs> I did indeed yell profanities that I will not repeat here, but I was completely perplexed. I was like, oh God, how could I have let this happen? Yeah. It, it's really cool to see the evolution of magic because, okay, when the first Planeswalkers came out, they were actually simply rare. There wasn't even a mythic rare when the first mm. Planeswalkers came out. And then as those evolved, the very first four-ability Planeswalker was a version of Jace. Um, and then Sarkin came out that, okay, now I'm going to turn a Planeswalker into a creature. So it's just like this fascinating evolution of how Planeswalkers have, have uh have have gone through through things but that's kind of like the testament of the game that even though it's this old they can still think of new ideas and change old ideas and add on stuff like um that sarkin i like it too because when you when you make i think it's the minus two or whatever that it makes a dragon um yes. and you can have a, like a little army of dragons and what i really love and that people always forget is that if you attack a planeswalker all the dragons suddenly shoot the attacking creature with like you know one damage and so when you have more than one dragon, all of those dragons are spitting fire at the poor attacking creature, and it never even gets a damage through over to what it's trying to attack. So it's just fun how they've gone into different uh, directions on all of their card types. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's crazy when you think about how Planeswalkers, just like each one is different. Really, every card just... But that's the one thing that I was talking about, like the synergies between the cards, especially when it comes to like seeing a line and playing through it. Um, if I'm free to plug another streamer that I know of without mm -hmm. giving too much detail. Sure. Um, one streamer that I follow, uh, J-Double, uh, J-Double R2, mm -hmm. he's, he's a very well-performing player and he sees lines in the game that I could never see. Yeah. I remember a clip back in earlier this year and it involved having to self-mill in a soul tie deck and just the the line that was done in order to do it was outstanding i saw it and thought to myself there's no way i could have done that yes just, isn't that amazing like the higher level players that they're able to figure mm -hmm. out here's all the cards in my deck here's what's the current situation here's the cards mm -hmm. that i need to pull and play in order to get out of the bad situation or improve upon the situation i'm on Right. Yeah. I, yeah, I could, even if I had a tool, I could never sit there and be like, okay, well, this is exactly the card that I need from what I have. Mm -hmm. Do you remember hearing about a year ago or so that there was some news item that like over, uh, over at Harvard or something, they, they did a, a paper that I was, that was like, magic is the most complex game ever invented. No, I didn't know about that, but I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. I think like most of us, we read the headline and we said, cool. And I didn't read the rest of it, but I remember the, the headline, which is something like that about that. It's such a complex game. It's the most complex game where people often say chess or go in, in you know, from, from Japan. And those sorts mm -hmm. of games are often the most complex, but apparently magic because it's got 20,000 cards. It's got so many possible game states at any moment that it is the most complex game ever. I can agree with that. I see how it, it, it's probably a perspective thing as well. You know, going in uh, and playing all three games, I'm sure that they all offer this different levels of complexity, but with mm. chess, the complexity is with 20 specific pieces. Yeah. Or 
like I don't even know how many chess pieces there are. <laughs> we'll say at least five. At least five. Let's go for that. So at least five separate chess pieces <laughs> for the uh, for goal. You know, it's a board state, but for magic, it's what you have in your hand, what you have in your deck. It's what you have on the field in your graveyard in exile. What you need to win, and it's based entirely off of statistics. Everything else is based off of a different skill set, but with magic, it's all statistic based, and that's just something on top of what's going on. You know, mm -hmm. the twenty components. Yeah, the two thousand, the two the two thousand, uh, the two thousand cards that you have to pull from. Yeah, because, yeah, and the the game of magic is like so many facets because we have you can play modern and standard and vintage or brawl or commander etc etc and each one has its own like slightly different rules and card pool and so forth so it's like an ever-evolving game that uh on the one hand it is fascinating to uh to know that this game has been around 27 years and on the other hand it's like how much more can they do it's been around 27 <laughs> years yeah i hear that yeah <laughs> Well, um, if you're in uh, towards the intermediate range, what would you? What kind of advice would you give to someone just starting off? They see one of those ads that pops up once in a while online, and you know, download download Magic Arena now. What kind of advice would you give them starting off? Um, I think that the best advice that I can give is going to be from a. Uh, I would want to start. Well, I I have a few pieces, but one of the most is probably from a financial standpoint. Mm -hmm. Magic is a very fun game, but if you're not paying attention to your finances, it's one where you can put a lot of money into. Mm -hmm. um, I always recommend for the new players that come through with my channel is uh, if you do want to spend your money on it, getting the mastery pass. Mm -hmm. But if you do not, then being smart about how you play, like playing through your dailies and your weeklies, mm -hmm. and then not spending your wild cards unless it's for like a deck that you think is like competitive mm -hmm. um the reason i say that is because i can count uh you know i i can count uh the number of times i've spent wild cards on cards that spit that fit specifically in a uh in a jank deck and you know it's good for one deck and then that's it you know mm -hmm being smart about that uh second piece of advice is to try to find uh people to play with because magic is or at the very least arena itself is a very social game and you forget very easily that there's a person that's on the other side of the screen playing yeah. with you so there's with that loss of connection you kind of forget the interpersonality of it you forget that you know if a person's taking their time to play a move it's probably because they're thinking it through, you know, people always are like, oh, they're roping me, oh, <laughs> they're griefing. But um, the easiest way to do that is if you can find Discord servers where you can play your favorite game modes together, or if you want to look for streamers that have community challenges or game nights together, those are both very good ways to do so. I really like that advice because I, I totally agree in terms of it can really be depersonalizing to play mm -hmm. in this digital game where it's kind of got limited 
you know, social interaction factors. They recently-ish added the chat feature. The emotes are still uh, interesting, um, but there's no like real chat systems unless you're coupling it with Discord, etc., Skype or Zoom, whatever. So you do lose that um, that aspect of playing in paper. I definitely miss that. And oh, I forgot to ask: uh, Have you have you had a chance to play much like paper magic? I've played a little bit. I built my own is a deck. Uh, but it has not seen a lot of play, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I built the deck itself late 2019. It was the first deck that I had constructed on my own using the components from Arena, <laughs> which is another nice thing about Arena, where you can, like, if you do put together decks and you're like, this is really fun, I want to play it in real life, then that's a playtesting yeah. uh, opportunity. But yeah, unfortunately, I haven't really had too much of a chance to play it, and with the recent rotation, a lot of those cards aren't standard compliant anymore. Mm -hmm. So I will likely have to start building a new deck. Ah, but it depends also that it, uh, whoever you're playing with in, in real life, if you all decide, are we playing standard? Are we playing modern pioneer? Are we playing anything goes? Then you could still probably have a, a version of that deck and play good old kitchen table anything goes magic. For sure. That's very true, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's just because we're just so in the mentality of when we play arena that, okay, what's rotating, what's banned, etc. In real life, mm -hmm. Omnath, you can have five Omnaths if you want. It's okay. <laughs> as long as your friend that you're playing with is okay with it. I would never bring five <laughs> Omnaths to the table. I feel like I'd lose friends if that were the case. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So always that that's the you know, that's what commander relies on, which is rule zero, which is talk with the people that you're going to play with to make sure everyone's down with the same concepts that everyone else is. But yeah, so um, when I got back into magic in 2017, it was uh, it was paper magic arena hadn't come out yet, uh, which I believe uh early 2018 is when it first came out or maybe late 2017. But when I got back into it in in, in paper in 2017, um, it was uh, it was something that when I originally played in the 90s, it was mostly just my brother and one or two friends. And then when I went to college, actually, I, I stopped playing when I went to college, even though it would have been much better place to play because there would be way more, you know, way more people to play with. But I kind of put it away for a while for for a long time. And and I knew magic still existed all through the 2000s. But uh, in early 2017, I started to look through my old stuff and I still had the old cards and there was still a Demir deck in there that I that I had from back in the 90s. Although it wasn't Demir back then because that didn't exist, but it was blue right. and black. And uh, I started to play that with new people and just got back into it. And they were playing modern. I, I played against uh, Christy and her her blue. What was it? It was white. It was white green spirits, I think. And mm. then who else? John. Uh, uh, this crew was playing just some fun jank stuff. Like they were they were playing like you know ninety cards. It wasn't commander, but they were playing ninety cards because they 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 couldn't part with any of their cards. So <laughs> it's like yeah, that's magic as well. It's all magic, but. That's uh, that was another way to play, and so now that it's a little bit more just online, just arena, and you know, fortunately, unfortunately, you can play Magic whenever you want. But unfortunately, I do miss that camaraderie of the face to face of it all, and the bluffing, and the making jokes, and spilling the drinks, and all of that. But it's still all fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Though I haven't had a lot of experiences with playing uh, at an LGS, I do have a few experiences playing with friends. And mm -hmm. honest to God, it's the most fun I've had in magic period mm -hmm. uh just being there like you said 
bluffing against the opponent, being able to <laughs> just look at them straight in the eye and figure out, okay, well, I know what this person's up to. I have a good idea of what they're trying to pull. Actually joking around and talking. It's it's amazing. And yeah. I miss that really, really badly. Yeah. One of the last big games that we played, uh, I believe towards the end of 2019, was a 10-player anything-goes commander oh. game. Oh my god. <laughs> we didn't get to finish it because they kicked us out of the room, but uh, it was fun while it lasted. Oh my god. That sounds like a, it sounds like a mess, honestly. Yes. It was <laughs> but a, a big, glorious mess. mess. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so... Let's talk about some of the cards and decks that we like. Um, as I said, I like to play. Well, I like to play several different modes on on Arena, which is um, I like I like going on the ladder if I want to get competitive and and climb and rank up and that sort of thing. But I also like to play Brawl because there's no mm -hmm. ranking on that, and it's like make a cool deck with one of each. And I like to play Historic as well. And um, I kind of um, uh, have been leaning towards. Well, when I first got when I got back into Magic in 2017, the first deck that I built was a green, white, a Selesnia cat deck. So nice. every every once in a while, I like to kind of build cat decks. And on Arena, there's been several cats that have been fun, and so that's one of my favorite decks to play on Arena. Uh, it's not that great on the ladder, but when you just want to play it for fun, it's great. It's a cat deck. They they're vicious. They they landfall this and that. They make cub tokens, etc. So, uh, what kind of cards or decks do you like to play? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I love a lot of different game modes that are available through Arena. I'm a big fan of... Uh, I like Brawl as well. Um, I play primarily viewer games. So mm -hmm. with those, I can really bring to the table just whatever mess I can. Um, <laughs> I've been doing some self-reflection lately thinking through what is it that I love about magic? What kind of decks do I really like? And I've figured out at looking back on all of the jank decks that I've had, they've all been centered around some form of enchantment that you look at and you mm -hmm. think to yourself, that shouldn't work. Mm -hmm. Let's find a way to make it work. Mm -hmm. So in recent memory, I've built a, uh, I built several actually decks all centered around Song of Creation and oh. getting win cons off of that one. Mm -hmm. So, like I have, I had one that had the, the Glindhorn Buccaneer, mm -hmm. uh, where wherever you discard cards in your hand, then you deal damage to an opponent for each card discarded. Oh, I see where this and is going. Yes, so you fill up your hand with uh, with donuts, essentially. Uh, creatures that you pay zero mana for. They hit the field, they exit, you draw two cards, you just keep doing that until you have 20 mm -hmm. cards in your hand, and then you just discard. You end your uh, turn, uh, Song of Creation procs, and then your entire hard get the hand just gets discarded, and you just deal damage to the face. <laughs> so that, I'm obsessed with Mirror March. Mm -hmm. That, for a very long time, was my favorite card to build around. I can... I've built... I've done several different things with it. I've made a, uh, I've made a uh, Dance of the Mance mm -hmm. uh, Mirror March deck. I've made a Mirror March deck with seven dwarves. Mm -hmm. I made Mirror March around. Uh, I forget the name of the exact card, but there is. It's one colorless, one black. It's a vampire. You tap her, and you can 
uh, I and you gain life. Oh yeah, it's you. You flip. Is it the one that you, you flip the coin and you? Yeah, yes. heads or tails three. Yeah, I forget her name, but she's relatively recent. Uh, that's a fun card because the randomness of it, right? Exactly. So you have veto on the field. Yeah. You have at least four or five mirror marches. You play her. <laughs> you get as many as you can. All of them with haste, and you just tap, and then the gambling starts. <laughs> and I've won exactly zero games with that deck. Mm -hmm. But you've <laughs> but won in the fun. It's yes, the fun in it is what matters. Mm -hmm. But I, but essentially that I love building jank more than anything else. As I mentioned, it's all about finding something, saying, okay, this is kind of cool. I don't think it would work in a uh, in a professional or in a ranked capacity, but we can find a way to make it work, and then doing something around that, trying to find a way to just play around and make a fun deck out of it. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Um, the that the the cat decks that I've been building on and off throughout the throughout the months, um, I've segued into a Rin and Seri deck on on Brawl because yes. that one's so fun. Because you have so many you know fluffy pets on your team, and when I build decks, I I really love to have like the focus of the stipulation. Like, okay, this is a Rin and Seri deck. It's the it's the commander. So everything's a everything's a cat or a dog. You know, like, yeah, there's a better card, XYZ, whatever, but it's not a cat or it's not a dog, so it's not in the deck. So I like to build that way as well. And you can you can have a lot of fun that way because you really put yourself into the deck. You you craft it yourself. You you find a cool synergy or combo or whatever, and it's just really fun, really satisfying. You've got Rin and Seri out, and then, you know, you tap them to, to deal damage and gain life based on the number of cats and dogs you have. And if you play things right, you're, you're tapping your Rin and Seri, and it's dealing, like, you know, five damage to a creature, and you're gaining five life, all because your cats and dogs are helping you out. Absolutely, yeah. I love decks built around that, just essentially because of the fun that you can get right away with a card when it has so much text on it you get uh, absolutely <laughs> daunted by it but then you read through it and you're like okay this is kind of fun i want to see what happens um i one card that i think of is the attempts all seeing i have a deck built around her and if you're not sure which card that is she's the three colorless three blue but a uh, flying sphinx mm. or oh, yeah, five yeah. Mm -hmm. But essentially, the the way you win is if you attack your opponent, you have the chance to reveal your hand. And if you reveal your hand and there are six cards that all have different converted mana costs, then you win the game. Mm -hmm. And I've built Brawl decks around that before, too. Mm -hmm. And it's just so funny. Like, because people don't bother to read the cards. They <laughs> see, like, they're more, they're more daunted by, okay, well, this is a flyer, but it doesn't deal a lot of damage. I can absolutely out-damage them. All you need is one hit and yeah. a handful of cards and you've won the game. And it's so funny when it does go off. It takes a little bit of planning and crafting the deck right, but when it when it works, it's it's a really cool accomplishment, especially because of the randomness of it all. We've got sixty cards, they're all singleton. What's the <laughs> random sequence of it all? Oh, I got it all. I'm I'm about to win with an alternate win condition. So yeah. Exactly. Props when yes. that happens. Yes, it feels so fun when it happens. And it's just silly enough that when it doesn't happen, you're just kind of like, all right, well, no big deal. We go to the next game. Yeah. I've been playing a a deck recently. Um, I like building my decks a lot. And sometimes I, I look at people's articles and so forth. And I've had a variety, the whole spectrum of people on the podcast that are from the full spectrum saying, okay, I only 
build my own decks versus people like, well, I start with someone else's deck and I add on to it. So everyone, all ways to play magic are, are good. So uh, yeah. I also go through through those various uh, sorts of phases, but I kind of lean a little bit more towards, I want to build my own thing, figure out my own thing. But I did uh, a few weeks ago, uh, I was looking at um, on MTG Goldfish, there was a, a mono black um, two card combo deck, which was um, Peer Into the Abyss plus... Um, under, <gasps> underworld dreams. I know this one. Oh, that is so funny. When it goes off, it's yeah. hilarious. I just was playing it. I think yesterday. I was down to one life. I had the underworld dreams out. I top decked the peer into the abyss, and then I played it onto the opponent. And it reminds you: Are you sure you want to give the opponent half their cards? And then you click yes, like, and then yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, it does the ping, ping, ping until the very end. And yeah, when it works, it works. And even when that combo doesn't work, it it's a it's a fun deck. You know, I've always liked um, black themed car or black themed decks. I like mono black. I like Orzhov. I like Demir. And even back in the 90s, apparently I was playing Demir or mono black as well. So uh, it looks like black is one of the, the my favorite cards, favorite colors to play. And then when I want to put it on the lighter side of things, I'm playing Selesnia Cats. Right. So how are you liking the new cards for the set then? You can see that there's a lot of support for uh, for Mono Black as well as the Orzov and other stuff. What are, I'm wondering what your thoughts on it are. I'm liking it. I'm liking the black and white um, clerics. I'm liking the life gain, life drain sort of thing. And the party mechanic is fun. Usually there's two party members, maybe a third one. Um, but I've been enjoying the new Zendikar Rising. I'm glad that they banned Omnath because that one was definitely skewing the meta. And uh, I still run into it uh, once in a while on Arena, but I mean on, on Brawl. But it's not as much as a terror because, you know, it's a one of. Um, mm -hmm. so I've been enjoying, I've been enjoying the new cards. The landfall stuff is, is cool too, because in, in the old days it was, well, in, in previous sets it was, okay, I've top decked another land. It won't do anything. But if I've got a landfall creature or enchantment, speaking of enchantments, that one Felidar retreat, when you play yes. a land to make a cat. So landfall's a win and the party's pretty cool and the support for Orzhov, um, and clerics and life gain and all of that. I like it. What about you? Um, I feel the same way. I love a lot of the uh, archetypes are really benefiting off of this new set, especially after the recent ban restricted. Um, I do love that Demir Rogues are as big and as fun as they are, even though they are a little bit difficult to get around. It's still yeah. very fun to see uh, a deck that's in those colors that's more aggro based than mm -hmm. control based, you know? Yeah. Um, I love Orzhov Clerics. I think that that's fun. Uh, right now in Ranked, I'm running a Mono Black mm -hmm. deck, which is uh, focused mostly on having Liliana and just pulling stuff from your graveyard and getting back onto the field and then just mm -hmm. uh, playing off of that. And it, it, lots of removal, lots of creatures. Mm -hmm. it's, it's fun. But I do see that there's more support, especially for Black than there has been in like the previous sets that I've had. Um, you know, it, it's more pinpointed on what it is like, like it, it's similar to how you go to a restaurant and you see that the restaurant has like 50 items on its menu and you're like overwhelmed by all the different things that it can do. Mm -hmm. But in these recent sets with all the cards rotating out, there's more pinpointed focus where, okay, well, this, this can only do like this, this, that, that, and that, but they do them really well. 
-hmm. it's really cool to see. Yeah, it's cool when it all comes together, when you have such a variety of puzzle pieces and you put them together into a fun deck. Absolutely. Um, do you have, or did we answer it enough? Like, what is what is a deck that you like playing in any of the formats that we have available? Hmm. So I think that if I had to choose a specific deck that I'm really enjoying playing, I think that the archetype that I would like most would be the Orzhov. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I like how a lot of creatures that are in those colors synergize well together. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very partial to having a form of control of the board state that Black offers with some pretty clean removal. Yeah. Uh, I do like, I, I, I like blue a lot, but I feel like, I, I feel like it's not as fun to play, especially if the majority of your deck or the win con of it is to like counter every spell or bounce yeah. back to hand. It doesn't feel very fun. And those games I feel like go on for a very long time. Uh, if I'm playing something that I know the opponent is not even enjoying, I don't find enjoyment from that either. Mm. But at least with Orzov, it feels pretty fair. I feel like it does a lot of fun stuff. Um, you know, you have the life game with clerics. You have the, with the old set, you had the, um, that one enchantment that buffed up your token creatures and then with Taya, but. Oh yeah. The, the, yeah, the Orzhov one, um, it gave all yeah, of yours plus one and all of theirs minus one, didn't it? Yes. That's the one, mm -hmm. you know, but it was, it was expensive. And the yeah. whole purpose of this card is okay. You're in a archetype where it doesn't ramp ever. So if that card is hitting the field, it's coming in late game. Mm-hmm or like mid to late game. So it's, it feels fair, you know, compared to, and like, I hate to pivot to stuff that I don't like when I'm supposed to be talking about stuff that I do <laughs> like. But it, it reminds me very much of, um, I, I'm not a big fan of Simic decks specifically because I don't love the idea of the, of getting like free mana. Yeah. So I, I don't love ramping. I don't love, like, I'm fine with it if they didn't have such strong stuff to ramp into, you know? Yeah. I can't think of a single deck that, like, I can't think of a single Simic deck I've played against that didn't run Ugin mm -hmm. in it. And if it, it's a big planeswalker, the whole purpose of it is it's not supposed to hit the, the, the board until much later when it could seriously, like, change the state of the game. But if it hits the field on turn, like I've seen before on turn three, not three. Wow, that would be crazy. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's possible, but I haven't seen it. The earliest I've seen it was on a turn five before. But it's just unfun. Because yeah. that the moment it hits the field, it's like, all right, well, I have control of the I have control of the game now. And like, what am I supposed to do about this? Other yeah. than pray I get some sort of kill spell or I don't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree on that, that uh, Simic has just gotten so many toys to play with in several sets that, you know, we had Lotus Cobra, we, we've got um, 
cultivate we've got uh what was that one blue and green one in spiral spiral and then um wilderness reclamation and just so many things and those colors it really seemed like there's there was like a big cabal of simic lovers over at wizards that was just putting (laughs) out a lot of these cards i don't know if they were like colluding or something you know creating some kind of monopoly uh triad in the background or something i don't know what but <laughs> they we just got so much simic stuff and then you know mono white players or white focus players are like can we have a little card draw please and uh it's just it's just been such a, a range of of like which which colors are dominant and so forth so it's it's cool that apparently you know dimir rogues are getting some love they they're they're on they're big they're getting pretty competitive with some milling and some flash creatures and all of that but i totally agree right. that ramp can, can get out of hand. Now, I do have to say that I I made it two months ago. I made it to Mythic for the first time ever on the ladder. Nice. Thanks. And that was when I was playing. I'm pretty sure, you know, I don't want to say I invented it, but I wasn't really looking around a lot of places and seeing it. But I was playing a mono white Ulamog deck. So Ulamog is the 10 mana colorless Eldrazi. That is a 10-10 indestructible. And when it's summoned, it exiles two permanents. So including lands. Now, I was playing that deck with um with mono white, just white with, with just planes, with a ton of mana rocks. So mm-hmm. in historic, you've got Guardian Idol, which is a two-mana, gives you one colorless mana. There's also in there Mindstone. It's a two-mana mana rock, gives you one mana. There's uh Hedron Archive, it's a four mana, gives you two mana. There's a Palladium Mirror, it's a three mana creature that gives you two mana colorless so all of this is colorless mana and i've been able to ramp uh so fast into some really big things because i've got play enough lands and mana rocks to get into little ugin you know from uh, war of the spark um, which reduces the cost of colorless things by two um, and then I'm getting into big ugin spirit dragon the eight mana cost but if i've got little ugin then it's just a six mana cost big ugin and then if I've got little Ugin out, that's also decreasing the Ulamog from 10 mana down to 8 mana. So I've gotten some really disgusting mana ramp going on with Mono White, with all the mana rocks in Historic, and bringing out either big um, Ugin or Ulamog, and the opponent concedes even though they've got 50 life and I've got 2. So I've got to ask then, because I, I've made and I've seen most artifact decks or most decks that run off of colorless mana usually run in blue because mm-hmm. then you have a little bit of utility like in case you need to play counterspell for example or mm-hmm. if you need additional draw why white so what i found with with playing white is i think there has to be some you know our elo our ranking something is still going on the way you get paired up because when i'm trying to play this colorless deck i often run into creature heavy decks so if someone's putting a lot of board state out my deck has no creatures except ulamog and you know two planeswalkers so i've found that if i can throw in wrath of god or shatter the sky i can deal with the creatures that are trying to get at me everything else i can almost ignore like they're trying to growth spiral they're trying to fires of invention they're trying to do whatever on their side and i can almost always ignore it and even if they counterspell my my ulamog its trigger will still happen it'll still exile two things and usually i'm exiling their best thing or their lands and then they concede because 
you know, they counterspelled me, but the big importability of exiling to permanence still happens. So whatever pairings that have been happening on my side of things, I've found, and I think if I pull up my stats somewhere, I think I have like an 86% win rate on that Willamog deck playing, you know, 26 games, you know, 30 games or something. Uh, and I just made it to Mythic again for the second time ever last night on my stream with my with my uh, with my live stream with my uh, you know with my community, and hey, that's thanks. fantastic. Thanks, and it was like yeah, this is like this is a dumb deck that I put together that I I don't think would work, and I haven't seen anyone else really talking about. It. And like you said, you usually see it in blue, some sort of artifact deck, and you have Karn, and you go do stuff. The deck that really messes me up is if they do get their Karn's Planeswalker that turns off Mana Rocks. Then I have to auto concede because. All of my deck is either planes, plain old planes, or mana rocks. And if they bring out that Karn on turn four or whatever, then they shut me down and I'm and I'm dead. But almost yeah. every other deck, I'm able to outlast them. I have a little bit of a hard time sometimes with, you know, mono red aggro. But then as soon as mm -hmm. I pull that Wrath of God, that wipes them out. And then it sets them back. And I just need a few more lands. And I get either to Big Ugin or Ulamog. And then it's done. Nice. Yeah, I've been very surprised on that, but uh, now that I'm on Mythic, it doesn't seem to be working as well as it as it does when you try to get to Mythic. <laughs> I hear, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, that was kind of like a, a cool moment that I had that I've been able to play Ulamog on Historic. Uh, what about yourself? Any cool, weird, interesting of uh, moments that you've had on Arena? I think that one of the funniest wins I've ever received uh it has to do with running uh mirror march uh jank deck that i had <laughs> so um i have several memories with this kind of deck because it, the, it, if you're not sure uh mirror march is five colorless one red and enchantment that uh whenever a creature hits the field you flip a coin and if you get heads you can flip another coin and you just keep flipping until mm -hmm. you flipped a tails but however many heads you get in that period of time, you can create token copies of those creatures with haste. So it's like, I've done a, a disgusting amounts of damage from like the <laughs> seven dwarfs deck with it, where I'd have uh, eight mirror marches out using uh, mirror maid, copying mirror march, and then just playing one dwarf <laughs> and then just flooding the board and then dealing over 10,000 damage. But one deck that, one actual play that I've had before that really, like, I was sitting there laughing when it was happening. It was back just after the Throne of Eldraine came through, and uh, Dance of the Mance was something that wasn't really, it was kind of slept on. It was a really interesting card, but it just, it was one of those things where you'd see it and be like, oh, well, I don't run uh, enough enchantments or artifacts to justify playing this. Mm. And I said, but what if you did? Yeah. So I I like to pretend that I was the pioneer of the uh, <laughs> Esper Dance Doom deck, but <laughs> mine was very bad, and the reason why was because it ran that Mirror March in it. But let <laughs> me explain. Because I, I don't run any red mana. The whole purpose of this deck is to get Mirror March into the graveyard. <laughs> and I'd run like two or three copies of it. You play Dance of the Mance, you bring back as uh, Oath of Kaya was a pretty good one. You could bring back the, um, uh, I liked having the, oh, that one saga, one colorless, one life, uh, one white that lets you grab uh, mana from your deck. 
The, but, I think it's Birth of Miletus. Yes, Miletus, thank you. But yeah, that would help thin out the deck. But mm-hmm. essentially, uh, there was one time where I played it and Oath of Kaya triggered about 12 times. And the opponent <laughs> was at 30 hit points. So 30 minus the 36 damage that was coming to their phase. I was losing my mind thinking to myself, how on earth, like, what are the odds of this happening? It's astronomically low, which is what makes it all the sweeter when it did happen. I was laughing because like I said, whenever you play um, a creature card with a mirror march on the field, you flip to make copies. And because all of these enchantments came back to the field, as a four-four creature, yeah, that was all stuff that could proc. It yeah. was, it was very funny when it happened. It definitely sounds fun, and it sounds like subverting the game in terms of an enchantment is an enchantment, but I can bring mm-hmm. it back as a creature with my Dance of the Mance, and exactly. then we can also have the coin flipping by playing a red enchantment that I don't even have red mana for. So it's like exactly. levels on top of levels. Like, you know, mm-hmm. are you sure you don't want to upgrade yourself to be like advanced? Because that sounds like some really advanced. <laughs> gameplay right there (laughs) hardly hardly it was just one thing where i was like hey this is something that could potentially work and then when it does it's funny but there have been plenty of losses around it i don't think that (laughs) i don't think that it's ladder viable just yet but come back to me in six months i'll let you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) well isn't it great when we're able to get some of these one in a million shots on stream exactly yeah i like I, I, I clipped it even and yeah. placed, uh, posted it up on my Twitter and it, you know, people got a kick out of it there too, but it was just, that's one thing that I love about streaming where I can catch these once in a million opportunities and just really be like, this is something that happened to me and other people can be like, yo, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, it's way more viable than sitting at a table and be like, oh, you know, like when I was playing a tabletop game the other night all this product and they're like okay sure buddy (laughs) all right if you say so picks or it didn't happen exactly (laughs) yeah i remember playing a a commander game sometime last year where someone was borrowing a deck and we were all setting ourselves up playing the, the 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 cards and then the person that was lending the deck to someone else said oh actually everyone sorry um you know john here just pulled off an infinite combo and we're like sure how explain it and then he had to walk it through and they did but if the person lending the the deck hadn't explained it the person playing it didn't know that they had an infinite combo at that point so right thank goodness for streaming and clipping and all of that exactly yes okay so we we've got a lot of uh, great things to enjoy about magic but on the flip side of things sometimes things could be improved what would you say was one thing you could improve about magic the game the the company the community the software anything at all any thoughts I have a few. <laughs> um, I do want to preface this by saying that I'm, you know, I, I'm not a professional at Wizards of the Coast. I don't see everything on all layers as the people who work hard to put this game out do. But there are some things that I see within it that I feel like do need to be addressed properly. Two major things, actually. The first is uh, Arena itself. I feel like for a uh, for a uh, game, the it, it's 
it's got a lot of flaws in terms of the coding. Hmm. You know, there have been several times where, you know, I've been kicked out of games that I'm playing with friends or even ranked games, and it's all just due to spaghetti code. <laughs> um, times where I send friend requests and they're never received. Yeah. There's new claims that if you haven't seen them already, where the actual, like, the page layout is completely messed up, where the the mana symbols are everywhere all over the page they're not where they should mm -hmm. be i uh i had a a weird experience on that that the mm. that that i it was i was the first person to play i tried to play my land and then it got stuck it got like raised out of my hand but it got stuck but it didn't i didn't know if it actually played it or not and i couldn't do anything except press next then the person's turn came and they tried to play theirs and it got stuck on their hand but then they were able to pass and then when it came back to me i had like the ability to play a one mana cost thing and i tried to play it but then it got stuck on the right side of the screen you know how it appears on the right side for a moment so it got mm -hmm. it got stuck there then it went to the next person they tried to play their one or two mana casting cost thing and then their card got stuck on top of the same card that was stuck on my side on the right side so suddenly yeah. everything started to stack upon itself on the right side. We couldn't play any lands. We were just passing back and forth. And it was like, what? what is going on here? It, like, it almost wants to work, but not really. And it's stuck. Stacking stuff on stuck. Are we, uh, are we playing Magic or are we playing Jenga? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. And then I also managed to accidentally get into that super secret developer screen. Uh, I don't know if you heard about that one, which was the screen. No. There was like right after, right after we had our Zendikar Rising early access, you know, the next day we, it, it, the, the client got upgraded for everyone to get Zendikar Rising and everyone was having a lot of trouble that day. Well, I tried to log in and I was playing with someone from my stream, just some one-on-one -on -one stuff. It wasn't on stream, but we were playing, we were playing one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one. and we were playing the game and something happened on my end where I got stuck and I had to restart the whole client and we were chatting on Discord and I said, okay, I'm coming back. It's loading up. And suddenly when it loaded up, it took me into the screen that looked like old DOS graphics and it had all of these like secret um, commands where it said what kind of mulligan I want. So apparently built into Arena is the ability to change the mulligan that you want. There was also like getting into these different game modes and there were like these different checkmark things to turn on and off. Like nothing worked, but it said like, you know, which game do you want to join and what, what, what back room. And there was like so many selectable things that would, that they would have been amazing to, if it worked, but nothing worked. I had to restart it again and it took me back to normal. But I got into the super wow. secret. Uh, the, I got I got behind the matrix for a moment. That's crazy. That is so cool that you got to see that um, yeah. little glimpse into what Wizards of the Coast get to do on the daily. Nice. Well, unfortunately, because I've said it live on the podcast, I'm going to get shut down next week. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll just cut it all out later. Yes. No worries. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, you said you had a second thing that, that was also improvement? Yes. Um. One thing that I do notice a lot is uh, there's a pretty disastrous power creep when it comes to magic mm -hmm. as a collective. I It's not terrible now that the recent ban restricted went through, but obviously with uh, Omnath hitting the, the with Zendikar, it was very, very difficult to play around, and it was mm -hmm. very much not fun to the point where while was in the uh, early stages of Zendikar's release, I was just sitting there thinking to myself, why do I even bother playing this game? Yeah. I'm playing against people who are only playing 
uh, Omnath and they're ramping into Omnath and they're, I, I just sit there and think to myself, I'm not having fun with this, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of those things where you remember uh, Questing Beast came out with Throne of Eldraine mm-hmm. and that card is a brick house, yeah. you know? It's got it's got haste, it's got vigilance, it's got death touch, it's a four four. Uh, it even has one thing that people never read about it, or two actually. One that the damage cannot be prevented, and that if you deal damage to the face of a person, you also deal damage to the planeswalker. Yeah. That card is a brick house. And do you remember how little of it was played like earlier this year outside of just mono green aggro decks? It's yeah. like it's one of those things where it does so much, but rather than be like compliant at the, the folks who are making the cards are thinking we've got to make something bigger mm. and better with fewer downside, with fewer restrictions. So it's easier to play. So it's easier to win. Mm-hmm. But the flip side to that is that it's more expensive for paper magic. Mm-hmm. So because they're in rare mythic rare categories, it's also more difficult for us to obtain on arena unless you spend the wild cards for it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're both very fortunate to be content creators through Wizards of the Coast. So we receive our gems mm-hmm. so that we can buy packs so that we can get free wild cards. But most people don't have that yeah. necessarily. So it's, it's one of those accessibility things where if you're not playing this specific meta, these specific cards, which do this specific thing and have this specific advantage with, very little disadvantage over it you're just going to fall behind and it's but on the plus side of this ever since the bnr came through you've been seeing a lot more variety and ranked you've been Mm -hmm. seeing a lot less uh specific uh meta decks being played in standard ranked so i do think that this is something that they continue to work hard to do the balancing team has done a good job with making uh the bands that are necessary and then also with uh they banned uh clever as well yeah. which when i looked at it i thought to myself well that's a really weird thing to ban i don't see any but then i thought back to it uh and yeah that's a that's a really busted card especially if you're playing specific adventure decks yes i yeah just anything that allows you to get something for free like free mana free spells free mm-hmm. draw just the it that's the kind of power creep that gives you a, a crazy advantage over the other person and yeah it's something that's getting addressed i can see that it's just something that i would prefer didn't happen in the first place yeah it looks like the pendulum swung very far in one direction of a lot of power right. and uh, it should swing back and i've had guests previously on the podcast where we where we talked about that and i th- this is going to be yeah, so I've been doing this podcast for a few episodes now. You're, you're episode 96. So I've been talking to different people for, you know, almost going on two years. And what's come up oftentimes is that exactly that you're saying, that free spells, fast mana, mm-hmm. lots of ramping, all of that. The pendulum has swung too far in one direction. And 
I remember talking to, to guests at the end of last year, like, yeah, I'm sure it's going to swing back. And then we got Ikoria with the <laughs> with the uh, companions that had to be completely errated to work differently because they were still too far swung out of the pendulum. So right. I, I don't mind if they do go back to much lower power levels. Now, when I got big, back into Magic, the first paper... Um, set that was out was Ixalan, which was that really fun dinos and pirates and, yes. you know, the Sun Empire de uh, uh, clan. And I liked it. I liked I liked that sort of like much more focus on flavor. But I hear a lot of people that are a little bit more higher level saying, well, I don't want to go back to Ixalan power level because apparently it was way too linear. It was way too weak. It was whatever. But like, maybe we need that. Maybe we need to go back to a low power, high flavor set for a little while just to kind of try to reset the pendulum a little bit. Right. And I think that Wizards wanted to do something similar with Zendikar, especially with bringing back some interesting mechanics like the party mechanic, uh, delving back into Kicker, mm -hmm. um, Landfall to an extent. But I think that they became too focused on the Landfall aspect of it. So it's not where it should be in terms of that uh, low impact, but high playability and fun. Yeah, like I was just playing a game uh, of uh, of Brawl. Actually, have you noticed that with the latest update, it shows your ranked level more often than it should? Uh, for yeah! Yeah, like if you're playing Brawl, there's no ranking there, but it still shows my rank. And like, I feel really bad when I'm playing when I'm playing Brawl and then my opponent is a bronze level and I'm here at Mythic and I'm like, whoops, is that already like psyching out the opponent? Like, I'm feel, I feel bad about that. So like, <laughs> I noticed that on like one or one or two things on these latest update, what I would call bugs. Like, why is it showing you your rank when you're playing Brawl? But anyway, I was playing Brawl and I was, and I'm Mythic at the moment. And then another person was also Mythic um, on Brawl. And we were both playing the um, Phylath deck, that one six mana elemental that when it enters the battlefield, it makes plants. It makes zero mm -hmm. one plants for every land that you have. And then when you landfall, you, you give a plant plus four, plus four. So I happened to luck out into, um, you know, turn two, uh, Lotus Cobra in a Brawl deck, and then turn three, Fabled Passage. So I was going to do the double trigger off of the Lotus Cobra for two landfalls in one turn, and then the opponent quit, because I guess they were so scarred about Lotus Cobra <laughs> happening on the ladder that they're like, no, not here on Brawl again. <laughs> Even though we were both Mythic players, so they should have been able to handle it. Mm, well, <laughs> I can empathize with them at least, like... <laughs> the way that you, the, the statistics behind it, that you can top deck Lotus Cobra that yeah. early in the game, like, come on. And then with the mulligan, the mulligan that helps you craft your, your deck. I think this mulligan, the current mulligan system that we have, I think that's been a bit of a mistake when you can mulligan into exactly what you need by drawing seven each time and then keeping exactly what you want. So of course you're going to get Lotus Cobra. Of course you're going to get Lucky Clover. Of course you're going to get that one innkeeper if you can mulligan that aggressively. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I yeah, I I don't know the proper way to save the mulligan. Yeah. But I've got to agree with you. It definitely is one of those things where it especially if you're playing a deck like one deck that I play is a Burroughs Wynota deck with mm -hmm. and you know, with Wynota whenever you attack with a um a creature that is non-human you can look at the top whatever number of cards in your deck and you can play for free a human mm -hmm. 
tapped and attacking invincible. And every time I play it, you know, that this is a deck that was submitted to me by a friend. And he said, okay, well, whenever you play this deck, you mulligan until you get Wynota in your starting hand. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter about anything else, just get Wynota in your starting hand. And I'm like, that takes away from a lot of the fun of it, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it just it just takes away from the the it, it's making the deck which should be stupid janky fun from being that and being more alongside this is something that I need like focusing mm. on the winning aspect rather than the having fun aspect. Yeah. I bring up oftentimes either on stream or or elsewhere about what are the expectations that people have about playing. If you're going to get on the ladder, it's going to be a grind. It's going to be you're going to run into the best decks. Yes, but if you're playing with, like you're saying, a community or other people that you find that you want to play for fun then you're gonna have fun so i think sometimes people that might be newer at the game and only see it as like well it's just an anonymous opponent on the other side of the screen i think they are gonna have not as good of a time in terms of you're you're gonna run into games that are not as fun but if you join some discords if you meet up with some streamers and like plan and and know what you're getting into and if one of your plans is to have fun then okay i didn't win but i got my i got my enchantment deck to work just fine i got my dance of the manse uh mirror march to work just fine well then you you might be having more fun exactly so yes i agree the whole purpose of the having fun aspect is that you're playing with people you're learning how your deck works that's great and there, this is no dig at all to the people who are like playing to win too. The problem that stands is that it the 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 game magic itself has become more centered on focusing on winning rather than focusing on having fun. And yeah. it's it, apparent even with even with just for fun games. No yeah. shame. I know people. I know people only have fun if they win. And <laughs> I, I feel that way sometimes it's a bummer if you lose several games in a row but the state of the game has really moved in that direction where it's focusing on the game as a competitive aspect rather than a collaborative a collaborative one excuse me do you think it would go back more towards the fun aspect if they added more social features built into it like a spectator mode or other sort of chat features absolutely I think that having a spectator mode would be a fantastic way uh, to really get more people engaged. I like, in theory, the idea of open chat, but I don't. I'll, I also would probably turn it off just because I'm <laughs> easily affected by trolls and what other people yeah. are saying. Mm-hmm. But um, like, I'm trying to think of other features that games have that you know. I don't know if it's possible now. But if you could set like a custom lobby and play draft with your friends yeah. on arena, I think right now it's just random. Yes. But if you could like create a play group, like get eight friends together and be like, okay, well, we're going to spend our gems. We're going to go through and play draft together. We're all on a discord talk- call together. We could talk about, oh, you just passed this card. You're so crazy. You'd pass <laughs> it. You know? This is still in the pack. <laughs> yes. That would be so fun. I would yeah. love that. On that same note, something that would also help to improve Arena's client is if you could gift, like, you could purchase gems for people, you know, Mm -hmm. because I, I, I do giveaways on my own channel often and we give away the codes 
that we get in uh, for being co- sponsored content creators with mm. uh, Wizards of the Coast. But I would love to have like many competitions where I'm like, okay, you beat me in a game of Brawl. I'm going to send you 500 gems now, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. That'd be fun. But yeah, that it just it wasn't meant to be, I guess. I think they are probably going to implement a lot of these things. People have been asking for spectator mode, and I think it's coming. But I like reading the the announcements that they do, the state of the games. I think the Wizards of the Coast that, that they put out every month or so, they, they tell you what's going on in the game and what's coming soon and such. I haven't, I have not seen any bullet point there that says spectator mode is coming but I think eventually they'll put it on because they have been doing things like expanding the historic card pool. So there was a time when we didn't have historic and when our cards would rotate, they just disappeared. So we got, okay, historic, a way to play with old cards. Um, I really want them to add historic brawl because when they gave us the historic brawl event, I was just playing Zakama, my Zakama deck all day long. And that dinosaur is so much fun to play. And I want to play that all day long. So I'm sure they'll add all of the stuff that we're asking eventually. It just feels a little too slow and they've got priorities here and there. And, you know, they're a company trying to stay afloat and make their money and all of that. And of course they should and all of that. But, you know, mm-hmm. listen to the fans and uh, try to implement what we're looking for and look at other Look at other apps, other games that also do it and see, oh, it's working for them. So maybe we might have a lobby. Maybe we might have a way to get a pod together of eight people. Maybe you should have a way to gift people gems. That's just more engagement, more people playing, and just more people coming back to the game over and over. Right, exactly. I just, yeah, I know that the company is hard at work. You can see evidence of the work that they put in, especially within Arena. You know, they put in, like, the engagements between cards, the animations and such, mm-hmm. and they don't have to do that, and they do. It's pretty clear that they want people to be engaged and having fun, and I think that with the continued demand for more social features, I have absolutely no doubt that they're going to implement them sometime down the line. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think it's coming. <laughs> I hope so. Well, on the other side of the coin, let's uh, talk about something that we love about magic, if we can narrow it down. Oh, boy, that'll be hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one thing that I love about magic, the people that I've met through magic have been some of the most caring, affectionate, helpful, <laughs> accommodating people I've met. Um, I used to stream a game. I will not name it because I don't want to curse it, but it was not a very community oriented game. Mm. It Yes, you played with other people, but you didn't really get to engage with the people you were playing against, nor did you really have the opportunity to uh, like sit down and analyze your gameplay and learn from it. Mm. You could, but it would be very time consuming. Mm-hmm. With Magic the Gathering Arena, since day one, I've had people come through who see me as a new player and genuinely want to help me learn. Mm-hmm. I've had people who are like, this is a deck I've constructed. It's fun. Let me see it. Mm-hmm. There are people who want to play against you. There are people who will tell you when you misplay and help you to correct it so that the next time you can do it correctly. Um even the people within the community who stream as well that I've gotten to know have been fantastic. I have yet to have a negative interaction with another Magic the Gathering streamer. I just am so floored by 
the respect and the love that they have for one another, even at a point where the game or the state of the game was as unfun as it was, <laughs> people, like people still came together and were yeah. like, okay, well, we're not happy with the game, but we're not trying to be angry about it. We're just saying this is what could be fixed. Yeah. You know, I like, it was reassuring for me when it was at that point, uh, I would say a month ago, as soon as Zendikar drops and I, the cards rotate out that I hate and are replaced by cards that I like even less, <laughs> where I'm like, am I a bad streamer? Am I a bad player? There is this new meta that I should be enjoying and I'm just straight up not. But it turns out that I wasn't alone. There are other people who were expressing this and I was sitting there thinking to myself, oh God, you know, I was so worried that I was the outlier, but I have some form of community with other people. I'm mm -hmm. not a bad person. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm not a bad, I'm not a bad sponsored creator. I'm sorry. <laughs> with I do love your game. I really do. But it makes me so frustrated sometimes. Yeah, I've mentioned before on the podcast, like, um, I'm playing and I'm having fun and then maybe not having fun. And I'm like, I hate this game. But then I go listen to someone else's podcast. And I'm like, I want to play magic again. So it just keeps <laughs> you coming back. Like, I swear, like, you know, having, yeah. a, having a bad time on the ladder for a little while. And I go do the dishes and listen to someone's podcast about magic. And I'm like, yeah, I want to play magic. Yeah. So they, 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 they've got us hooked. But it's a good game exactly. and it's a good community. And if you fantastic community, yeah, for if sure. you surround yourself with with people that are also like on on the same sort of like goal of things, let's have fun, let's make fun decks, let's let's trade cards. I was just last night um, for the second week in a row had a a visitor to the stream that she has not played Magic yet, but she's been coming to hang out on the stream because you know me and everyone else talking about Magic and hey, let's hey let's teach you how to play and. Uh, once you get your account, you know, here's some, here's some, uh, here's a game code and so forth. And like, she's, she's, uh, she's going to get into magic as well. So it's just, it's just a game that everyone can get into once you get the basics of it. Like, what do those numbers mean in the corner? And, you know, what, what is that flying thing there? But once you get those things out of the way and anyone can, can get into magic and have fun. And especially with a community, cause there's the gathering part of magic, the gathering. Exactly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I... <laughs> Are we, are we doing the mind blown emoji at the moment? Yeah, actually, that's me right now. <laughs> I knew the name. I knew the meaning behind it. But the whole, I just, I can't, I did not put two and two together. I'm like, oh, let's do it back. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to see myself out. Was, oh, I can't believe that. I, I knew that. No, I'm just playing with you. I knew, I knew, I knew that the gathering was the community aspect from the beginning, obviously. I knew that. Yes. I knew that. <laughs> Fun trivia. They were actually going to make every expansion was going to be a separate game of magic that was not compatible. So there was going to be original magic, and then there's going to be magic Arabian Nights, which was the second expansion. And then there was going to be magic legends, which was the third one. So that each one was going to be its own separate thing. But then they thought, no, let's make it all compatible and we'll call it magic. The gathering. But it's also people playing, gathering together, playing paper. Yes. Yes. I just, oh, wow. You see, I didn't put, I. Uh, it, it makes sense, obviously. I'm sure that I've come across the whole gathering of magic quote somewhere. But now I realize it's not just for flashy namesake. It's because the game is about the gathering. It's about bringing the people together. Yeah. 
Now, I, I, I think I'm having a memory here because I've seen magic in other languages. I believe in Spanish it's called magia el encuentro, and encuentro is an encounter. So magic the encountering is in Spanish. <laughs> That's cool. It sounds nice. It sounds, well, obviously I'm biased. It sounds a little bit less romantic than the gathering, but that's just, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's just. Well, that just goes to show that uh, this uh, this little old game that started in the U.S. has gone all over the world, and I'm pretty sure they've played Magic in every continent, even Antarctica. So it's going to be like, when are we going to get the news about someone playing Magic in the International Space Station? God, that'd be so cool. I would watch that game. <laughs> yeah. The cards are floating away and everyone can see what you have in your hand. Exactly. Astronauts <laughs> just flipping around, just trying to put their cards down, doing their best, but it's just... <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. NASA when? I know yeah. that we're spending so much money to get astronauts to space. Let's get some magic cards into space. Yeah. I just saw the headline of it and I didn't want to click all the way through, but there was something about like, company sends chicken nugget into space. Did you hear about that? No, like, why? Exactly. So forget those chicken nuggets. Let's get those magic cards into space. Come on. Yeah, come on. I see more utility out of magic cards than a chicken nugget. <laughs> yeah. And I think they were just fudging it because it was like one of these one of these balloons that can go up 102 miles in the atmosphere. And technically, when you're at 102 miles, you're in space or whatever. So it wasn't even right. really space. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, as we wind down, um, it's hard to believe, but there are more things in the world besides magic. So what is a non-magic hobby that you're into? Um, I don't have a lot. I have a few. <laughs> I'm obsessed with the like artistic aspects. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not too much of an artist myself, but I do like doing uh, makeup challenges for myself every once in a while. Cool. Um, on Fridays before I start streaming, I actually, I, I usually wear a full face of makeup whenever I start streaming, but on Fridays I start off with nothing on mm -hmm. and then we just, I can show off and do tutorials about, okay, well, I'm going to put on my face. Let me show you how I do it. Mm -hmm. Cause I have a lot of folks who are interested in wearing more makeup and they don't really know how, so yeah. I can show them what I do and they can learn a little bit, but yeah, I've had a few really interesting looks. Um, a lot of them that I do on stream are all based off of magic cards too, like using mm. color palettes or symbols inspired by the cards. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's just a very fun artistic aspect. Um, I love watching movies as well. Um, I live in Hawaii. Uh, one of my major hobbies was obviously going to the beach, swimming, mm -hmm. surfing, but you know the whole uh the whole pandemic thing kind of puts mm -hmm. a hamper on all that um and then of course even before that i didn't really have a huge chance to go often because in order to afford living here you've got to work yeah and the more you work the less time you have to do what you want and even the time that you do have the less energy you have to do it so. yeah I grew up in uh, Southern California, specifically Imperial Beach, which is uh, the, the the motto is the most southwesternly city in the continental United States. Nice. Uh, so it's a nice little uh, beach resort town in Southern California, right by the border with Tijuana. So I grew up there. And um, yeah, it was uh, one of my fondest memories is going going to the beach often and 
just being able to walk over to it and and all of that so also it's it's also annoying nowadays that you you can't really enjoy outdoors as much as you used to and i know it's going to be a temporary thing but we're all adjusting to it at the moment and i'm sure we'll get a handle on it and things will improve but i do miss a little bit more of that outdoors time yeah me too but you know what it's a sacrifice we got to make in order to make sure that our world stays as safe as it possibly can yeah take care of ourselves and each other yeah, and what I what I like to think is that even though we're focused on the you know the big scary COVID nineteen, whatever measures we're doing right now are still going to have a trickle down effect on other things like plain old flu and plain old germs that were kind of always there. Maybe now that we can take more seriously washing your hands, covering your cough, distance, and so forth, maybe all of that is going to trickle down on all of those other plain old scourges that we always lived with, in addition to this one that we're currently living with. Right. So in Hawaii, there is a really large Asian population because we're obviously a lot of uh, Japanese tourists come Mm -hmm. through, a lot of Chinese tourists, a lot of Korean tourists. But also there's a large population of Asian Americans who live here, too, Mm -hmm. and passed down through their families is basic hygiene, where whenever you're feeling sick or under the weather, you just just wear a mask. Just so even before the pandemic had started here, there was a large number of people who are already happy to do this. Like, I'm not feeling very well, I'm going to wear a mask so that if I am contagious, I don't get other people sick, mm-hmm. you know. So what I'm hoping is that with this passing, this becomes less of a Hawaii thing and that this becomes just more of a continental United States thing, to be honest, yeah. uh, because I've not seen this, excuse me, because I have not seen this prior to living here. I grew up and the mainland over in Florida. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's a really smart idea, a really good way to take care of yourselves and others. And, you know, it, it might be presumptuous of me to say that most Americans want to do right by themselves and by other people. So I'm mm-hmm. hoping that this is a habit, a good habit that that people do decide to follow up on even after this is all over whenever they uh, that may be. Yeah. Uh, same here. Uh, totally agree on that. I hope that is a good habit that we pick up and, you know, continue to watch out for each other. We're all in this together, you know. We're not just isolated even if you're in an island in the Pacific. You know, we're all connected all over the place. And with air travel so common and interstate travel and and inter-country travel and so forth, you, you can't assume that wherever you're at in the world, it's your own little pocket because we're all one big world and we should really think that way. Act, what is the saying? Act act think locally act globally something like that exactly and that's one thing that i love about the progression of the internet these last even 10 years how it's brought everybody closer together gives us the capabilities to really see more of the world understand Mm -hmm. more of the world while it is a double-edged sword where there's more where you're more conscious of the global aspects of the 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 ups and downs of Mm -hmm. like supporting a company that doesn't support its employees for example But even so, it connects me with people that if I didn't have, would never speak to again, gives me the opportunity to really build my worldview. So it's fantastic for that reason that the internet has grown to the way it has over the last couple of years. Well, speaking of large global view, let's uh, tell the listeners once again where we can find you online. For sure. 
So as I've mentioned before, I stream off of twitch.tv slash radicalmari. Mondays and Fridays, uh, I stream magic. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, I do whatever I like. Um, typically on Thursdays, I do something called a dev dive, where I sit down with a local game developer, talk about their latest projects. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, It's been pretty fun. I'm only on episode three right now of it, upcoming this uh, Thursday, but it's a it's a nice time. By the time everybody listening to this gets to hear it, it the episode will have already passed episode three. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, you can find me on social media on Twitter and on Instagram at the Radical Mari. Um, I if you are in the magic community somewhere, I will find you though, and <laughs> I hope that it is vice versa as well that you are on the lookout for me. That that sounds a little too much like a Liam Neeson quote, but okay. <laughs> I will find you on the I internet. I will find you, and I will follow you, and I will engage with you in a positive manner. <laughs> okay, now you now you got me on board. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, thank you for that. I'll definitely put your links in the show notes. Hope to get you some traffic and um, auto-host you on Twitch and all of that good stuff. So as for myself, uh, I'm VM Campos all over the place. Just search for me on Twitter. I'm tweeting there. I'm doing a uh, I'm doing a drawing a day challenge. So for this whole year, basically, I've been drawing some sort of sketch or more complete drawing every single day and putting it on Twitter or on my Flickr account and so forth. So I'm on Twitter. Um, I stream every Saturday at 8 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube and Twitch. So find me there. I'm VM Campos everywhere except YouTube. Like I said, uh, you have to put the JR in there. But if you search VM Campos, my my account will, will, will show up. Um, I've got a Patreon. People can check out the Patreon. Follow for free. People forget that you can follow for free on Patreon. And I have a lot of great free stuff there. But if you go to the $1 tier, you can unlock some exclusive stuff. And at the $2 tier, I'll actually mail people some vintage cards in appreciation. No, not a Black Lotus. But I will send out <laughs> I will send out some other fun rewards and such. And so, yeah, I'm VM Campos all over the place, even VMCampos.com, which I haven't updated in a while, but I'll get to it, I guess. So, Mari, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, VMC. I had an absolute blast, and it really means the world to me that you wanted to sit down and just talk magic for a little bit. It was kind of cool. It's been very fun, and if you had fun, which sounds like it, we'll probably have you back again and maybe talk a little bit more current stuff, current decks, current meta, or maybe some spoilers when we get some of those. You know what? I'd be down. You know where where to find me, so I'm in 100%. Excellent. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening to the latest episode of Let's Enter the Arena. This has been VM Campos, and I'll see you in the arena.